Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Oftentimes in worship, one phrase stands out to you. you know, as Jim was leading the prayer, let adoration fill this place. It's like, I could stand here and say, Lord, let adoration fill this place. And say, Amen. And that would be a great place to be. Uh, I talked last time, the best story that each of us has is our own testimony, what the Lord has done in us. And so I'm going to continue that theme. Obviously, this, this chapter has about 50 sermons in it, and I've gone, oh, I'd love to say this, and I'd love to say this, and, uh, and uh, there's not time for it today, so uh, Lord, help me hone in on what it is you want to say today. Let adoration fill this place is a great place to start. On September 16th, 1988, I sat across the table from Caroline on our very first date. Mm-hmm. I was 19 years old. Caroline was 21. And I very quickly came to the realization that this woman was way out of my league. And I said to myself, sitting at that table, if I can make it happen, I'm going to marry this woman <laughs> at 19. She was beautiful. Big brown eyes. She had this amazing hair like Justice. And it was dark brown. And, yeah, this mane of hair. It was, uh, it, she was incredibly intelligent. Uh, incredibly thoughtful and beautiful and I was uh, I was blown away but I can tell you today after 28 years of marriage I didn't know her then (coughs) and this is what I keep coming to in this theme Jesus is calling us to unity with one another And after 2,000 years of Jesus being crucified and resurrected, I find that we are still standing very much at this doorway asking, how can we do this? Um, So we know the setting. Jesus is basically praying his last prayer. I mean, everything's closing down. He's 18 hours away from being dead. And a lot is about to happen. And a lot has happened in a couple of hours before Jesus is arrested. The beginning of Jesus' ministry, according in, in the book of John, starts with the wedding at Canaan, where Jesus turns ordinary water into extraordinary wine. And at the end of his ministry, he takes ordinary wine and turns it into an extraordinary image of a new covenant with the Father. It's, and now he's praying 
Jesus is praying for us. It's also talking about he's, how he's been with the Father before the creation of the world. And now he's praying for us. Oh my gosh. What is that? What does that mean? You know? And he prays that we would be in the Father as Jesus is in the Father. If we, could, if we could just wrap our minds around some of these things that Jesus is saying. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's really unbelievable. I'd like to focus on a I think it's verse 17. Sorry, I have to take my glasses off because I can't read it anymore. Verse 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Later on, Pilate asks Jesus, What is truth? I think in our world, we see over and over and over that question. What is truth? And it's a, a, a real point of division between believers in Jesus and non-believers in Jesus, and it's a real point of division between believers in Jesus. What is truth? Your word is truth. Well, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and through him all things were made. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. Later on, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We need to know Jesus. I could tell you stories about Caroline and describe how we know each other, but that doesn't mean you know her. That means you know about her. And you could read this book and you could memorize this book, but I can tell you still don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need to know Jesus and we need to know him by spending time with him, by being with him. So I want to share one more story. On one side, we have Jesus describing this amazing unity with the Father and the Son, with the life of the Spirit being present, and he's inviting us into that. Ultimately, Jesus is bringing this to the Father because we, we see in Revelation at the end, mm -hmm. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And then around him are the 12 disciples and the 24 elders and the living creatures. And every tribe and every tongue and every nation are surrounding the throne of God. We are all invited to be there. So you have this unity of the Trinity that's now going to be all of us. <laughs> What's the thing? What? 
It's a mind-boggling. So, swing way to the other side. A number of years ago, uh, the Lord speaks to me a lot in dreams. And, I, I, and some of the dreams that I have that really stand in my mind are almost real. I feel like they, I was really there. But they're, they're dreams. So I had a dream where I was immediately standing before Jesus. And I've had lots of dreams with Jesus and I never see his face. But he's, it's definitely him. I'm standing in front of Jesus, maybe even kneeling, but I'm so close to him that my face is touching his chest. I'm right there. And he's wearing this brown burlap robe. It's very coarse. And he does not say anything to me, but he has his hands out. The robe is hanging down. And he directs me to look under his arm. And I crouch down and I look. It was almost like a vacuum that I was sucked into. And I experienced one of the most unbelievable contradictions and paradoxes that I've ever experienced. Jesus was right there. But what I saw was utter darkness. What I felt was the 100% absence of God's presence. I immediately started screaming. And he started screaming, put it back, put it back, put it back. And I woke up. The first thing that hit me was, it doesn't matter if hell has fire. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have the presence of God. And if you're an unbeliever in this world, you are surrounded by God's presence everywhere. Whether you recognize it or not, the breath in your body came from the Father. You are alive because of God. And to have that feeling, what would it be like to not live even with the smallest sense of God's presence? It would be hell. And the Bible clearly teaches that just outside the gate, just outside of the wedding feast, outside the door, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because you're not in there. You're not with the Father. You're not with the presence of God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You're outside the gate. Yeah, weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when I ponder these two extremes this week, I felt like the Lord asked me a question. And, and I, again, I could talk for another two hours, but I'm not going to. I'm going to close it down right here by asking you the question that the Lord asked me this week, last week. And I want to ask us that question.
felt like the Lord, the, I feel like the Lord clearly asked me, are you willing to let my spirit move through you? Are you willing to let my spirit work in you? Are you willing to have a deeper encounter with my spirit? One part of me says, Heck yeah, 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 yeah. One part of me knows that it's the Father that's asking that question. And what does that mean? I messaged an old friend of mine yesterday with a funny little story. And he sent something back and he said, yeah, those basically, is the sense was, those were the good old days. Everything in me says, no. I'm about to turn 50. I'm kind of younger than some of you, older than most of you. I have never had a sense that the good old days are behind me. They're very much in front of each one of us. How do we, as a community, walk in unity and walk out this chapter? I think we ask the Holy Spirit to move in us and do something in us. And we recognize that we're not done. When I hear, sanctify us by your truth, your word is truth, I look at my own church and the scandal that's going on and how incredibly embarrassing it is in front of the whole world. I look at other churches that bring people into the pulpits because they've got good coffee. Not because the Holy Spirit is moving and the world is recognizing they have something I don't have. Good music, good worship is awesome, but the Holy Spirit has got to be moving. And I promise you, if you have somebody dinking one note on the keyboard and the Holy Spirit is there, that's what we need. So can we pause for one minute before we pray? I'm actually going to ask Amy to, I guess, come or Thomas, whoever. But let's pause for one minute and then let's ask if you're willing in your own heart. Ask the Lord. Would you be willing to allow your spirit to move in me?
perfect love casts out all fear. And fear is what keeps me from saying yes to Jesus. Fear of what the price would be. Fear of how I might have to change. But Jesus is offering life and freedom and wholeness. Holy Spirit, Would you move in my life? Would you take me deeper into the relationship with the Father and the Son? Would you strengthen my spirit to stand in your presence and learn from you? And be transformed by you? and taught by you and loved by you. Mm -hmm. Lord, have mercy. Mm -hmm.